it's as real as uh, the changing of the seasons as night turns to day. It's, it's the truth. You can manifest good. You can manifest bad. Right. And you can say, Hey man, well, I'm, I'm just destined to be a loser or I'm just destined to be whatever. Careful what you ask for, you know, careful for what you think about where your, where your thoughts go. And it's, but it's just so hard when you're, when you're lost and you, and you don't got this or that or role models or, or you don't even know where to look for these things. I hope, I hope some people just find it because the world will be a lot better place too. you know, all the way around you get vulnerable. You realize that the only limit you set is the one you set on yourself. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love in our divinity in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace, to help you come from a place of love more often to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you. I support you and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. One day while working, I met Jeremiah Williams. We got to talking and ended up hanging out for a few hours. We instantly connected. I was so enthralled by his energy, his mindset, his story of perseverance, and his power to manifest, I knew I needed to have him as a guest on the podcast. We touch on all of those during the episode. Earlier on the day we met, I had already thanked God, Source, Universe for bringing incredible and beautiful people into my life that day. I was so excited for the potential to create a new bond and relationship. Later that day, I met Jeremiah. My dude, Jeremiah Williams, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me, my man. Of course, man. Me and Jeremiah met, I don't know, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. Uh, We met through uh, my job. And the day we met, we literally talked for like two hours. It was was so cool, man. It was so fun. I feel like we just like really connected uh, and bonded just over like similar mindset sort of things, like having a positive attitude, you know, manifesting your reality, uh, being the creator and just like pushing through. And just really keeping things positive. And I was just like, really, dude, like so inspired by who you are uh, and your story. Uh, I know you faced some hardships in the past, but you didn't let those things define you. And those are the stories I get really, really excited about. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people in life listening right now, or even if they're not experiencing it now, they will. We all do. We all experience, you know, moments of negativity and, and downfall and, and hard times. And it's just so important, I feel like, to showcase stories like yours that allow people to really, really understand that those things don't define you at all. And just because we had some trouble in the past or had some difficulty doesn't mean that we can't change our lives drastically uh, or still just every day put our best foot forward and stay positive and, and realize that our actions of the past don't necessarily you know, define who we are today at all. Um, Yeah, man. So just like inspired by you and literally the day that we first met, I'm like, dude, you got to come on the podcast and just share who you are, your mindset, your story. uh, And just so excited and grateful to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Like I said, it was a total surprise uh, for me too. And this is my first uh, podcast ever or anything. So I am actually a little nervous, you know? So uh, yeah, we'll just see where it goes then, you know? 
I feel you, man. Honestly, I, I get it. There's nothing to be nervous about. We are just chilling and chatting. It's like literally, like I said, like that day that we met, we literally talked. I think it was for like at least two hours, just vibing and chilling. Um, so, Jeremiah, if you could just give people just like, you know, an, an understanding of, you know, what you kind of shared with me uh, and, you know, how things were in the past, that kind of, you know, and I really feel like all the, the things that happened to us in the past, all the quote unquote negative things, so many times they're the catalyst for what brings the best out of us. And in so many guests that I've talked to, it was like, you know, those things in the past literally led them to who they are today. Yeah, absolutely. I was listening to some of the podcasts and stuff, and there's some, some of the people that you had on there are definitely uh, been through some trials and tribulations. Yeah. And, uh, Without a doubt, you know, it could, it could, for me, it could just, you know, break, break me down and, and keep me down where I could kind of rise up, you know, and surround myself by better people. I, I'll give them background, you know, so I, I was just, uh, you know, I've got, my therapist says I'm like the 1%, you know, that very rarely do, do what's been done, you know, although I don't find it so difficult to do these things, you know, um, <clears throat> I was just a young age raising, uh, raising hell in Tampa. That's where I grew up and, and I started going, getting arrested and going to jail and prison at a young age, like 15 uh, was, the, was the first time I was in, in an adult jail or youthful offender or whatever. And then I ended up going to prison three times uh, for, you know, breaking into cars, trying to feel a part of, because the, the truth of the matter is that I had a real low self-esteem and I wanted to feel like I was a part of, you know, <laughs> through some intense therapy, it's like, you know, I find out that it's it's just basically because I, I didn't feel loved enough by my father, which is so crazy to me because I knew he loved me, you know. So uh, troubled background, you know, heavy into some drugs and stuff and uh, just didn't didn't know why every time I went to prison, how come I was such a great person. And it sounds crazy to say that, but out on the streets where I was trying to prove myself, you know, I'm, I'm constantly in trouble. And, and messing up. And then when I'm in prison and you, and you remove all the drugs and, and I'm just there with myself and I can get comfortable with myself, like acceptance is really what it was, you know, like, you know, getting that time and stuff and, and just acceptance when, when, when you're there, you know, I hear people say all the time, oh my gosh, I couldn't do 10 years in prison, you know, and I'm like, oh, you can and you will, you know, as soon as that judge hits that gavel and says 10 years, you know what you do is you, you, you go to jail you go to prison and you get out 10 years later. That's what happens, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but the acceptance, man, I learned acceptance at a young age because of that. I think, you know, like there was just nothing I could do to change my circumstances at that point in time. And I was just incarcerated and, and I, you know, I could do whatever, whatever I wanted to do. Uh, hypothetically, you know, I could, I could still live dirty in there. And I did, I got some dirty urines, you know, still thought I wanted to thug it out and stuff. And so I got some dirty urns and did uh, manufacturing an alcoholic beverage. Got that in there too. You know, there's a couple 60 day DRs and stuff. And uh, you know, I was just sitting there at, I think I was 20, 21. And I was saying, man, I got you know, five more years to do and I could just do it getting dirty urns and, and this, that, and the other, I could probably hone my skills up and, and learn how to do something and, and refine my education. Mm-hmm. That took me on my, uh, my, my vast road of uh, devouring books and, and not just like, you know, I call them uh, trash TV, trash novels, you know, James Patterson, John Grisham and, and stuff like that. Although they're funny and entertaining, like, you know, trash TV, it's not really feeding me, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I started reading, you know, a lot of books, refining my education. Like I said, re- reading about Chinese philosophy. I read all of Plato's The Republic, you know? <laughs> People are like, what? You know, Ann Rand's Atlas. I read everything they told you to read in school and anything I thought they might have told you to read in school just to, you know, learn about things. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for you to hit that stride at a certain point and used, you know, all the time that you had to educate yourself and to learn and to dive into books, was there... Was there like a moment or anything in particular that helped you kind of take that next step? You know what I mean? From being in prison and not really maybe educating yourself or learning and then being like, all right, like shit, like enough. Like, I, I like, right, I'm getting out in five years or whatever it may have been. Was there anything like definitive? Was there somebody in jail with you that like helped you or did you just come to this on your own? 
Okay, no, so that it's funny that you asked that. And this is why we get going. We, me and you get talking, we got talking because it's like that laws of attraction, power of attraction, you know, you can manifest bad stuff, terrible stuff. You know, you're like, oh, I'm sick. I'm sick all the time. You know, I know people who are constantly like, dude, I think I'm coming down with something, you know, and 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 it's funny that you talk about that, like I said, because when when I was in prison, I uh I did have a couple role models and stuff, you know. And remember, I told you I had a real low self-esteem trying to fit in. I didn't. I didn't get over that trying to like pump my chest out and stuff, you know, until after I learned how to fight. And, you know, I had a roommate who was a golden gloves boxer and he beat me every day. I never beat him one time. And, you know, for the whole time he was my roommate, you know, 18 months, he, he gave it to me. And I was like, man, you're just like beating me up and this, that and the other. And he was like, nah, man, you know, you're, you're getting better. And, and I did get better and stuff. And once I realized that I was, you know, like I didn't have that complex no more. Like I'm, I'm really a wimp, you know, I got to show out in front of people and this, that, and the other, it kind of gave me a confidence. And then I think I really started making big strides after that. Cause you know, I was missing that confidence growing up and everything. Like I said, I always felt less than not equal to. And after I got that confidence, then I was, I was able to have kind of like a freedom, you know, once I had a little bit of self-esteem, I was able to have a little bit of freedom and not have to worry about who's the toughest because I wasn't terrified no more, you know, which allowed, I guess, basically, you know, like uh, a truth or, or, or just seeing people for who they are. Right. You know, cause <laughs> you know, the world's a direct reflection of how and I'm speaking for me, maybe some people can relate, but the world's a direct reflection of how I see myself. Yeah. You know, if I'm like, Oh, they looking at me like I'm a chump, you know, it's cause I feel like a chump or whatever. Yeah. You know? I feel like I'm less than so. You know, after that, like I said, I was able to just, you know, do what I want and feel comfortable in my own skin. But I literally, the, the third, this last time I got out of prison, you know, I was 29 years old and it was 10 years ago, November 3rd. So uh, this November 3rd that just passed, it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Congrats, and, uh, man. Thank you. Yeah. And, and uh, I remember I like didn't go back to my family who didn't live far from where I'm at in St. Pete, you know, and I was just like, well, I'm probably going to be in prison for the rest of my life. I'm an habitual felony offender and stuff. Uh, you know, the, the only time in my life I said that I was fine with going back to prison, you know, like literally resolved to it. I was just like, whatever, you know, because um, every other time I got out, I was like, I'm never going to mess up again. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that, you know. And uh, I got out and I'm just, you know, like, I feel like God had a different plan for me because I ended up in St. Pete in a halfway house with 50 bucks. And uh and that was it. And I had to go to these uh, Narcotics Anonymous meetings. And uh, I was like, well, whatever. I've never been arrested for drugs or anything. All the drugs played a big part in my, my insecurities in my life and stuff. Um, I ended up going to this, this NA meeting. And I remember uh, talking to my lawyer. Like, you know, he represented me pro bono because I never had nothing in my life growing up, you know. And, uh, and he was like, well, you know, Jeremiah, I think if you could do one year clean out here, you know, sober and everything, you'll... Uh, you probably won't never go back to prison, you know, because you're really a good person. You just you're confused, you know. And so he got me that year of, of probation. And I mean, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. That was a just staying off those drugs for that year. And when we touched on how how I felt like a man in prison and it sounded weird. Right. But I was accountable in prison. Right. When I quit doing I always used to be like, why do people treat me like a kid? Why do people what's because I acted like a kid. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I was totally a kid, irresponsible. I'd borrow your, your car and not bring it back on time with no gas. You know, it's just, I was a kid, couldn't hold a job down. And I'd steady be mad. Like, why do people treat me like this? Because that's how I was. I went to prison and, and you got to put on your big boy pants in there. You know, you can't be doing that same dumb stuff or, or else, you know, there's, you got direct consequences for something in there, you know? I mean, literally, if you step on somebody's shoes and they think it's personal and you don't say, hey, excuse me, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> you can have a problem, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, no horror stories about prison. It wasn't bad or anything. I always tell people if they'd have made me paint the first time I went to prison, I never would have went back because I hate painting that much. It's so boring. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not tough. And people say, oh, it must have been so tough. And I was like, man, if you knew how easy it was in there, you know, nobody would send anybody money because it's really not that difficult. Um, but I did, I did learn to get comfortable with myself in there and I, and I was treated like a man. I always had a good job. I got good friends who are out right now. You know, I wrote in the whole 10 years that they were still in there and, and, you know, just some good solid dudes. They got some good people in there who just made some mistakes and ended up in there. Right. But, uh, Yo, I want to kind of pull it back. You mentioned before and with like, um, intense therapy, uh, right. That, uh, 
it kind of trickled back down to your actions and all those things. You said it went back to you not feeling love from your father, but you said you knew that he loved you. Right. Right. But so I, so what I always think about, man, literally always is, you know, people who are, who are being difficult or, you know, people who are going down the quote unquote wrong path or who are struggling in life. You know what I mean? Anything like that, where it can be deemed negative actions on that person. I'm always thinking, I'm just like, like that person wants to be good. They want to be loved. They're just missing. They're just hurting something. They're just in pain. And it's like, instead of us looking down on those people and being like, yo, you're kind of a piece of shit. You're a bad person taking a step back and realizing that those people just need love. Those people need some sort of comfort uh, and some sort of togetherness. And I, I just, I firmly, I really do believe everybody is good. Everybody comes from love. And the people who are maybe not showing up that way in the world are just because, again, they're in pain uh, or, or they're suffering. So when you said that before, that, you know, in deep therapy, they kind of went back to the root of the issue. And the root of the issue is that you weren't feeling like, or your father loved you enough. Um, I would just love if you could just talk about that more, because again, you said that um, that's what the, you know, your therapist said, but you knew your dad loved you. So like, you know, where, where, how was your relationship with your dad? And do you really feel like it was lack of love that created, um, you to act in those ways that you did in the past? Um, you, you know, it was it, going to the therapy, like, like you said, and, and it, I, I can elaborate on, I could touch on it. Like every kid knows that they're loved by, by the parents, you know, I, I think they do even, I mean, they, you see it all the time. We've just got an inherent nature to go find who our parents are. Mm. You, you see it all the time. Like, Oh, you know, twins separated at birth, uh, rediscovered, you know, people are taking these ancestry DNA tests to see if there's any loved ones out there. If they're part of, you know, cause it's just what we want to do. We want to find our family and stuff. So it's, it's, it seems so silly to me that I, I didn't, you know, like I didn't hear it enough. You know, we got to remember I'm, so I'm 38 and, and my dad grew up back when, feelings weren't talked about, right? You take it in the chin, throw yeah. it in the wagon. You don't be seen crying. And if you can't provide for your house, you're just basically not a man, you know? And this, this really just started breaking and, and becoming different in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands, and even more predominant now, which is great, right? This is that love we're talking about being, being able to express our emotions and be comfortable with, yeah, it, yeah, you know? And, um, that, that's, that's literally what it was. I was telling my therapist, I was like, can't you, can't you tell me it was something like physical or, or maybe like, you know, I was just dropped off at a Kmart somewhere and left, you know, like a Joe Dirt kind of thing, you know, because I could put, put something, a physical something on it. Right. Cause to me, it's, it just seems so, you know, inane that it, it was like, you know, Oh, my dad didn't say he loved me enough. You know, I'm like, come on, man, people got real problems. That's not a real problem. You know, I know yeah. I'm loved. No, but he, he didn't tell you. And, you know, it made you have low self-esteem and this, that, and the other, you know, and, and, it, and it was true. And it's still sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my, my mind around it and fathom it, you know, but yeah. that's, what it, that's what it was, you know. That's why I always look to older dudes and, and trying to you know, be, be part of the in crowd with guys and stuff, you know. And Yeah, I feel you, man. It's just... Um... You know, and even to say with that cause, like low self-esteem, you know what I mean? Like when people have low self-esteem, like we're just hurting, like, you know, we don't feel whole. We don't Absolutely. feel. Absolutely. Right? And you, and you said something about like, you know, where there's these kids who are going down the wrong path and this, that, and the other. And, and you know, I, like my therapist too, my therapist say, man, if you ever decide to do anything with kids, let us know, you know, we're going to back you and everything because you know, I still feel like I'm young enough and cool enough. I can relate, you know, and, and, and I've, and I've been kind of that young kid who's been in that position have, have came, came past it, you know, uh, you know, not let it define me like we were talking about, but uh, the, the hardest thing for most kids and my son's one of them, he's 18 years old. You know, I was gone the first 10 years of his life. And, you know, he, he's just like, I was man, full of that, full of that shame. You know, he's got a low self-esteem and, and he, he won't do anything. I can't give somebody self-esteem. It's hard. That's something like, first you got to love yourself to be even open to the ability for somebody to love you, in my opinion, yeah. you know, because you can't, you can't give what you don't got and you can't receive what you don't know about. 
mm-hmm. you know? So it's like somebody could give you a gift and say, man, here are the keys to the kingdom, you know, and this, that, and the other, or, or here's the keys to a happy life. And, you know, I was one of them people. You couldn't tell me for a while that money couldn't buy happiness because I grew up broke and poor, you know? So through my venture to prove that you could buy uh, happiness with money, you know, and, and, and work my tail off and, and, you know, did some great things, whatever. Some people would say I'm, you know, financially set for life. Uh, but when I got down that road, cause you couldn't tell me, right. You couldn't right. tell me and buy you happiness. When I got to the end of that road and I'm sitting there with everything that I got and I'm like, man, something's missing, you know, what's missing. What, what am I going to do now? You know, I've done, did this or did that. And, and just, it's that endless common drum of, of chasing something so elusive, you know? Yeah. That was like one of the, one of the stories I, I, I really thought about after we had met that first day was the whole desire for money. And you really, really thought that money rate would bring you happiness. And yeah. what's so cool in that story is that, like you just said, you had to figure it out on your own. You had to have those experiences to get there, to understand that money can't buy you happiness. right? Like People couldn't tell you, and that's a, a, lot, a lot of the case in, in most situations. It's like, yeah, people can tell us certain things, but it's a part of our soul and our being just to experience them on our own. So um, someone could look at Jeremiah and been like, yo, this dude's got it wrong, man. He thinks money can buy him happiness and this and that. And it's like, it's all good though. You know what I mean? Like a lot of us think that, and it's all good that you thought that at one point and people trying to tell you it's like nice of them, but that's such an important thing. I think in our life is like, we need to experience. I really fully truly think that we are here to experience Right. So you have to have your own experiences in those things to fully learn and to understand that, you know, your thought about this can be one thing, but the experience can be something that's just totally different. That's what they talk about, right? That journey through life and stuff. I like to consider myself a wise man, you know, like there's a smart man, a wise man, and a dumb man. You know, you heard that. You yeah. know, the smart man learns from other people or his mistakes, the wise man learns from other people's, and and the dumb person just never learns, you know. Um, I like to think myself as wise, but that's just, you know, I constantly keep proving to myself in certain areas, you know, <laughs> that I'm not wise. <laughs> that is one of them because people told me that. And, you know, I'll sit there and rationalize, uh, you know, myself in the whatever, whatever messed up situation, because, you know, you just can't, can't, you couldn't tell me that. Yeah. Um, so I, I really feel for those, those youth though, you know, like I just, I feel bad for them because they're tormented, you know, yeah. whether they're in a physical prison, they're still in a mental and emotional prison for know, real. with no EOS date. And if they ain't got, you know, guidance or, or anything to help them out, you know, it's, it's sad. Yeah. You know? That's all that is. It's sad. That's like one of the things when I was younger too, and like um, my teens and stuff, I had such a bad temper and you couldn't tell me anything. Like literally whatever, you know, people would try to help and coach me and this about my temper. And it's like, I didn't ever want to hear it, to be honest with you. And I was like, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm experiencing. Like, what are you even trying to tell me? You know, but literally I had to experience it on my own. I had to experience losing my temper over and over and over again, realizing that that didn't serve me. It didn't help me. It only created heartache and turmoil in my life. And people would tell me that, but I couldn't hear it. You know, like literally I, I didn't understand it from them. I had to literally experience it on my own. Uh, and through that experience, realizing that's not who I want to be. Right. I feel like in life too, a lot of times we have to experience what we don't want or who we don't want to be to know and to solidify more of who we, who we are and who we actually do want to be. And that was, uh, I mean, I really did. I had a really, really, really like the worst temper of anybody I've known. And I don't say that to embellish the story. It's like just really the truth. I would really, yeah. It's the adversity. And, 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 you know, most, I don't know anybody who's, who's, you know, came from the bottom and, and went to the top, you know, did, did, did the whole Drake or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, now we're here and not went through some kind of struggle. Yes. You know, I, I uh, uh, excerpt from a book that I read, uh, it's called the sword of no blade. And, uh, just like I, you know, I, I grabbed this excerpt and I and I loved it so much. And it was, uh, you know, uh, the nagging discontent is the impetus to change. Change is movement. Movement is life. And it's just like when we get so fed up with with where we're at and doing this and doing that, you know, change can't occur. When the pain gets great enough, change will occur. Yeah. Yo, and I, I, I really mean that. And I, this is 
opening my mind so much more and having people on the podcast, how really a lot of those hardest times of their life were the catalyst that created the most change for them. And there's so many people that were like, I'm grateful that that happened to me, but at the time they weren't grateful at all. And you would have thought they would have been crazy to have been grateful. But when they look back on it, like that created who I am. And like when I look at myself, like I hated having a temper back in the day. I had no control over my emotions or who I was. And now when I look back on that, I'm so grateful that I did because it literally created who I am today. So what was the catalyst for you, right? So just me and you talking and you're like, you're full of rage and anger and everything. (laughs) So I'm going to flip the script here, right? Right? Because we all go through it. You know, the emotions are the same. They come down to the same thing. I mean, I studied emotions real hardcore, you know, because I just like to know about things. So, you know, it's normally shame, fear, which most people project into anger and rage, which would be, you know, I'm not no therapist or anything, but I would say, you know, that was it. So something's changed and you're like, what was your catalyst, right? You can relate to this. Just one day you were like, man, you know, because you didn't like being angry, right? I didn't like going to prison, but somehow I ended up there, right? What changed for you? It was doing it over and over and over again and feeling this, literally, like, you know, the feeling the shame after, mm-hmm. feeling how, how crappy I felt. It felt awful on my inside. I, you know what I mean? That's like, it's like a burning. You just you you feel uncontrolled. It's just it's a really bad feeling. So, and then it was a lot of regret, right? Because I would freak out. A few minutes later, I'd calm down. I'd be like, oh, what did I now? Now, like now, I have to go apologize to this person. Like, what did I just create? Now, I just created my life to be so much more difficult than it needed to be. So that it was like the immediate feelings during and after that I had to keep feeling over and over and over again because I realized I didn't want them but I still couldn't stop it from happening. Or maybe I could have, but I just chose not to stop it from happening. So it was experiencing it again and again and again to be like, all right, we need to, we need to make an adjustment because this doesn't feel right. This is literally not serving me at all. And the thing that really helped me was right before I would freak out or, or, or explode, it would flash in my mind to think about the consequences. Literally, and I don't know how it started happening for me, but I guess maybe just thinking about it over and over and over again, um, it, it was like just mindfulness before I even like knew what it was, Jeremiah. You know what I mean? It was like I would literally have a moment of like meditation mindfulness of being like right before I'd freak out, to be like this doesn't serve you. Think about the consequences of what's going to happen right now, and that was the initial thing that helped me to stop exploding on people and in situations. And the reason why I'm so grateful for it too is because I really feel like going on such one end of the spectrum of such anger and temper, I really feel like that was the thing that slingshotted me so far over to the side I am now of just positivity and love. Because again, I realize so much that's not who I am and that's not who I want to be. And I feel like if I didn't really have a temper, if I wasn't really ever angry and things like that, if I didn't have that negative mindset, maybe I would just kind of be balanced and like more normal, I guess. I don't know, you know, just more kind of even keeled, but I really do feel like going so far in that direction really slingshotted me very, very far in the other direction. Um, and really just because I didn't want to be that version of myself so bad, the only option in my mind was to be on the complete opposite side of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was wild. And honestly, like I look back on that and I, I really, I hated having a temper, but I am so grateful. Um, I'm really so grateful that's who I was because it taught me mindfulness. It taught me to bring my attention inward. Um, it just, it honestly did. It taught me a lot of things, though it was really difficult and I hated it at the time and I never wanted it then. It's like I couldn't be more thankful that it actually was where I came from. Yeah, but what caused all that anger and rage? You know what I'm saying? Like, what was it that caused the anger? Because, you know, I mean, I guess if you raised in a home, you know, they say you're bound to repeat stuff, right? Yeah, you know? I feel you. Yeah. So, so what was the source of it? I mean, if you wanted to talk about it. Yeah. You know? No, of, of I mean, course. What, what helped you get to your level of love, you know? Cause yeah. So I guess what, you know, honestly, so my parents were incredible. So mm-hmm. much love for me. They got divorced when I was super young. So like that definitely affected me and like messed with me. Um, and I think created some anger and just some confusion when I was younger. Um, but they were both so great. They never badmouthed each other in front of us. They lived five minutes away from each other. So we always got to see them. But my parents each have a temper. So I think growing up in that, I was kind of like, oh, this is just like how people you know are. Yeah, right. literally. Yep. Mm-hmm. And my brother didn't have a temper. And I kind of thought he was like weak. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Which is crazy. And I was like, huh, you're just like a weaker version of us. Um, <laughs> I think because I was nah, just, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's, like, it's, it's how you thought, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And then, um, yeah. And I, and I think just since maybe they each had a temper, seeing it and then, you know, getting their genes and their DNA into me maybe gave me like just bits of each of their temper. Um, that's, you know, that's when I thought back on it. I'm like, I think that's what derives from because honestly, like I'm very blessed. I had a, I've, I've had a great life. Like there was no like surrounding things that I really should have been angry at. It just, it was a, a lot of times I would like keep things in too. And then they would explode because I didn't really know how to express them before they exploded. And honestly, man, I felt strong in my temper when I was younger too. Like when I was a teenager, I was like, somebody try to come mess with me. Literally, right. I will right, I will destroy you if you try to come mess. And like I remember thinking that like that gave me power. And I remember talking to one of my cousins who had a temper too. And we're like, yeah, man, I like it. You know what I mean? Like, literally, who's gonna mess with me right now? And I know in any situation, I can get crazier than you can get than you can get. So if we fight, who's gonna win? It's gonna be me. Right. You know what I mean? So just like a lot of confusion. And you know, when you're a kid, you think like like you were saying before, like puffing out your chest, right? Like yeah. you think that gives you validation and you think that makes you like cool and important. Um, and you realize as you get older, it just it does it doesn't at all. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, and there's the blessings that are there, man. It does. It really does. Throwing people away from you, or for real, yeah. And I want to ask you too. So I remember when I was at your house. His name. Who was your buddy, Rick? Yeah. Yes. Right. So uh, that's what I'm wondering too, man. Like you've obviously created relationships and bonds with people too, who have just helped you switch your mindset and create change in yourself, right? Um, so I know. I mean, Rick, that was you guys seem like you have such a cool relationship. You and him, right? Yeah, we do. It's uh, a lot of people say, man, I don't know how you got so many good friends. You know, you see how it was, man. So Justin comes and knocks on my door, you know, doing his job and everything. I got much respect for the door-to-door canvassers because, you know, I I did that. You know, that's how I got real successful is is door-to-door canvassing, you know, uh, getting out of my comfort zone. Yeah, and, and he shows up, and you know, I'm I'm working on my computer, listening to music and everything, and and I was like, yeah, come on in, man. You're thirsty, you know, this, that, the other. Oh, don't worry about these big dogs; they won't bite you. And you know, I'm I'm just like shirt off, necklace out. He's talking to me, pitching me, but you know, I'm, and if it was me, I would be like, well, this guy's cool, but is he even listening to me? You know, like, and, and I'm you know, I'm looking up his business, checking him out, and everything, and uh. We just started talking, you know, and so my buddy Rick came over and just walked in. And I think my buddy Mark did too. Maybe Mark stopped in for a minute, maybe not. But that's how, that's how it is. I got an open door policy, right? People just show up when I'm not here, you know, because <laughs> I, I got good friends like that. Seriously, you know, like I don't got to worry about nothing to end up. And uh, yeah, Rick, Rick met me. So before I got out of prison uh, he, this last time, um, I was with this girl before I went in and, and she was sponsored by his wife. And so my, my thing, what I was going to do is cause I know some Spanish, you know, I was going to go down to Miami when I got out this last time. Cause I was, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just going back anyways, you know, no matter what I'm habitualized, you know, that means five years is my mandatory. The max is my mandatory in Florida. So I was just like, whatever, I'm gonna go down there and try and sell drugs and not get, not get caught, you know? Uh, and I ended up in a halfway house and me and Justin were talking, I don't believe in luck or coincidences or anything like that. So I ended up at this halfway house in St. Pete and, you know, I met Rick and Heidi through my, you know, that ex-girlfriend that I had. And, uh, I mean, he, I was jogging to NA meetings cause I didn't even have no money. I was jogging three, four miles at seven in the morning to get to an NA meeting because I didn't have bus fare and he sees me after a week and he's like, geez, man, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> like he, he won't even ask for nothing, you know? And, uh, and they begged me to get in the car with them so they can give me a ride home. And I was like, you know, well, all right, man, if y'all leave me alone. And, uh, ever since that, I mean, that day I went over to his house, they cooked me some eggs. <laughs> they didn't take me home. They, they took me to their house. Cause they were like, you ain't got nothing to do. Come on. You know, you just got out of prison, whatever. I'm like, all right. And, uh, he bought me a pair of shoes, some knockoff Griffies, because I didn't have no shoes. My shoes soles were flapping. You know, they fell apart already after about a week and a half of being out because there was, you know, some sketchers or something like that. And uh, ever since then, we've been 
thick as thieves, you know. Mm. I seen he 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 had something that I wanted, and it was a, a relationship with a with a woman that he didn't cheat on, that they didn't beat each other, they didn't fight each other, and so you know I just made him like my 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 uh, mentor, you know, for those certain things. He made a lot of money. I, I was like, man, you know, he makes like two hundred thousand a year. You know, like man, I'm never gonna have bills that need that. I was happy with you know one seventy five a week, and. Uh, you know, I've passed all of that and everything. And now, you know, he, he comes to me for every bit of advice now, you know, and, and he's just a good friend, you know, solid, solid person, him, his wife, his wife's mom, yeah. my family, you know, and I've got a lot of friends like that, a lot. I'm telling you, man, it was a beautiful place for me to be. I'm not even kidding. Because literally, literally, when I walked in, right, you're tatted up, you got your shirt off, you're chilling, um, right, you had like the necklace on and stuff like that. And then... Rick walks in too. Rick's tatted up. He's got the long hair. He looks like a straight up biker. You know what I mean? And and you could initially judge who you guys are. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Judging the book by the cover. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. I love it. I really do. Like I tell people, man, like, you know, I want to be that, you know, when I, when I, they say, man, look at this, you know, cause number one, I've got an advantage always when they look at me like that and say, Oh, look at this, you know, look at this meathead who works out or, or, you know, look <laughs> at this guy with all these tattoos, this ex con, you know, and I've always got an advantage going into a room because they've misjudged me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I get the realness out of people, you know? Yeah. Well, honestly, man, same way, big teddy bear, man. Yeah. And dude, when I walked in and I saw you just being you, like I instantly can tell you were just being your genuine self. And I respect and love that so much in people. I really do. I saw you. I'm like, this dude is just being himself. He's being real. Like, that's awesome. And then Rick walks in and you got these two dudes who you think if you just saw visually wouldn't be loving, would be tough as shit. All, you know, all of these preconceived ideas that you may have. And then when Rick comes in, he guys are talking and your relationship is just so beautiful. And you guys share that story that uh, he bought you this, the sneakers back in the day. And he just like took you in and helped you and his wife. And it was just, I'm telling you, man, it was incredible uh, to see that. Because again, the way I think society has, you know, drilled it in us, you just, men in general, in our society are kind of looked at as like not showing that much love to each other. You know what I mean? And uh, just to see you guys and the relationship that you have and, and how much you both helped each other and fed off each other. It was so, I cannot, so awesome uh, to witness that and to see that. And it's such a good example, I think, to show other men out there that it's like, yo, we can still be tough and strong. You know what I mean? But we can still like love each other and have each other's backs and like care for each other. It's just, it's, it's awesome, man. It, so I can say that that kind of worked because, you know, they accepted me for who I was because I really wasn't good with my emotions. And pro probably so like three years ago when I went to therapy and I mean, I remember sitting at an NA meeting one time, Rick was picking up, you know, six or seven years clean, eight years, whatever. And uh, I remember he started crying next to me because he's a big teddy bear. You know, he started crying next to me. <laughs> I was like pretending I didn't know him. I was like, you know, looking over because I was like, I'm thinking, you know, this is just the stigma, you know, that I grew up yeah. with. I think if he's crying, man, you know, I don't I don't want to embarrass him by getting him a napkin or something, you know, like I, maybe nobody sees it or whatever. You know, he's bawling like a baby. Some complete stranger, you know, with one day clean comes and brings him a tissue, you know, and I says, fuck, man, I would give anything to be like that person, that vulnerable to be walk across the room and comfort a dude. I mean, I'm serious. I remember thinking, yeah. What a dirtbag I am. I'm not a good friend, you know? And, uh, you know, after I, I started going to therapy because I was just like, man, I got a problem with my emotions. I got to have problems with my emotions. And that's, that's what I sat right in the therapist's office. and said, why are you here to see me? I said, I think I got a problem with my emotions. <laughs> why do you say that, Jeremiah? I'm like, well, because I like to ride my motorcycle 180 and spearfish and not know if I'm ever going to come up because I got a big fish, you know? Secrets out. I live by the airport. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, um, yeah. So, so it, you know, thankfully he stuck by me. He just took me for how I was and everything. And now, you know, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's good that I can give him a hug and, and say, Hey man, I love you, man. Have a good day. You know, as a matter of fact, with all my friends, we say that when we get off the phone, because we realize how precious life is now, you know, it's yes. not about who, who can conquer and, and this, that, and the other, you know, it's, it's really about uh, your experience for me, you know, my experience on earth, the relationships that I build and is it going to be a better place when I leave? Totally. Oh my God. So true, man. Right. I honestly, if more guys could just, more men could just say like they love each other more. 
Right. It's just it's just you expressing like expressing your gratitude and appreciation for somebody. And you're so right. It's like in this life, like what really matters? And I feel like what really matters to me is my relationships with people and the people I share my energy and experiences with. And um, I was talking to my wife about this last night too. It's like we were watching a show and, and, and somebody in the show had said uh, something like, one of the worst things we can do is not express our true feelings to somebody while we still have them. You know what I mean? Brittany Brown talks about that. Yeah, Brittany, Brittany Brown, TED Talks, you know, she says... Uh, yeah. She's literally a you know a psychologist or therapist, uh, you know, and she's out to prove that you know uh, uh, something to do with uh, the ultimate love and vulnerability and stuff. And she's like literally out to prove that this this ain't true, you know. And she had a breakdown in it. And but she did say the happiest people on the earth are not the ones who are uber wealthy. They're not the ones who are uber poor. They're the ones the ones that are the happiest on this earth are the ones who are able to be completely vulnerable with people yeah right? that means that means you know i heard that i'm like oh, are you kidding me right like money ain't gonna make me happy in this that and the other <laughs> and you know i started trying to do that from going through the therapy and everything i'd be at the gas station everybody's walked somewhere and then people laugh when you first walk in and you feel like it's targeted at you i don't care who you are you know yeah. uh, i felt like that before you know you walk into a room you're you're a stranger there or whatever and people are telling a joke and they're laughing and, and but they're looking at you right because you just walked in they're not laughing at you. You're not that important, but you feel that way. I did anyways. And I, yep. I still feel like that sometimes. I'm like, oh man, but I'll go talk to him. Hey man, you know, I feel kind of like a little embarrassed. Were you laughing at me or something? Like, oh no, no, absolutely not. They were telling me this joke and I'm like, oh, okay. I just, you know, I, I was feeling some type of way. I just want to let you to a complete stranger, you know, or, or I've told a stranger too, like, man, what you said kind of, I don't know if I should take that as, as, you know, an insult, or I think you hurt my feelings and I'm, and I'm feeling a little ashamed and, and little right now. And they're like, oh no, no, absolutely not. That was it. You'd be surprised at what happens when you're vulnerable, right? Because we're our own worst enemies too, you know? Once again, it goes back to, you know, you see the world how you are in the world. Yeah, right. You know? Dude, being, being vulnerable is like one of the things I, I really try to, uh, no, I try to, one of the messages I really, really push out a lot because uh, really, I, I, me myself, I, I am vulnerable. I want to say all the time, but there's there's definitely times where I'm not. You know what I mean? There's definitely times where I totally could have been more. But in that vulnerability, I feel like life opens up. It is wild. Like literally, even in the experiences and the examples that you were just sharing, strangers. You know what I mean? Like. We could sit there and build up like, oh my God, this person's making fun of me. Like, oh shit, like, did my, does my haircut look bad today? You know what? It could be a million different things that we can create. Absolutely. But instead of, right, instead of sitting there and beating ourselves up and tearing ourselves down, just being like vulnerable about how we're feeling. That, those are such good examples to be like, hey man, you know, I walked in and I saw you guys laugh and I just, you know, I just being open with who you are. And in so many times in those experiences, we'll get the clarity right back to us, right? Like they're like, nah. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I tell people to do it. You know, it's that's that's another tough thing. Is like, man, it's like seeing people bang their head against the wall over and over and over. And it's like, you know, like my 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 ex fiance and stuff. You know, she's just like, I could I could see them wheels turning. You know, even with my son, I could see the wheels turning. People, if I'm close to you or if I know you a little bit, you know, you I could see the wheels turning. You know, and I could see it's manifesting. And I'm like, just go talk to them. Yeah. Just go ask them if it's like you think it is. There's nothing wrong with saying, I feel like, <laughs> right? Um, you did this to me on purpose to make me feel this way, right? And, you know, what's somebody going to say when you're vulnerable? Like, I've never seen it, you know, instead of going like, you know, people get in fights, you know, it's like, oh, 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 man, he tried me, whatever, you know, and it's like, now I'm going to fight him. You want to knock the wind out of somebody and then say, and you really hurt my feelings, you know, like, man, I, I feel like that was an unnecessary jab at me. You know, why, why would you do that to me? And you see people be like, oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you know, because yeah. they're like me when my buddy's crying next to me. I'm like, oh, what? There's emotions in this room? Shit, man. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. get out of here. Most people aren't equipped to handle that stuff. A lot of people are, you know, yeah. but it's getting better. It's getting better as, as, as uh, you know, this, this, we're progressing forward, ever evolving and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like so many times what we perceive and what we think, 99% of the things that our ego says in our mind is not even true. 
Right. Totally, totally right, man. It's that's why I say, man, you, man, you're man, your head's getting rented up with space, you know, with shit that ain't even true. Like you've, you've lost so much time, so much energy that you could be focused on other things, you know, worried about this other stuff. That's, it's not even real, you know, yeah. like it's what you're thinking most of the times it's, it's not even real with yep. a lot of stuff, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's whatever, you know, it's like, man, it's not whatever. It's like, man, it's unfortunate. That's really yeah. what it is. it's unfortunate to see somebody like that. You know, it yep. goes right back to the youths, you know, the, the youth and, and how, how they're in trouble and this, that, and the other, you know, and it's like, man, if you could just, if I could just convey that message to you, you know, let me know yeah. how you feel, you know, let's find out what's really going on. Is it really like this or is it not? Uh-huh. You got to yeah, do thing with the spread the love, you know, it's because it's, it is true. I mean, you can, you can love people, but, they got to be wanting to accept it, you know? Yes, they really do. And that's, you know, self-love is, you met, you talked about this a little bit before. I feel like self-love is crucial. It is so important because it really is, it's very difficult to accept something that you don't know, right? So if you have no love for yourself and someone's trying to give you love in a situation, you may perceive that in a totally different way because you couldn't even understand how they could be giving you love because you don't have any love for yourself. You don't got it. And that's, that's like looking for the needle in the haystack and not even knowing where that you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Right. Right. It's yeah. like, man, what I'm, I'm looking for answers, but I don't even know what question to ask right now. For real. And that's, wow. that's tough, man. That's a, that's a tough one. That's, yeah. But I love, you know what I love to do? My favorite, my most favorite thing of all time is to break somebody's mind open to that level. Like I've seen it happen before. It happens in small things, you know, I'm just helping people out and they're like, there's no way, you know, and then it, bam, the mind cracks and they see it. I've done it a lot in business, you know, when people like start a business or whatever, they say, oh man, you've inspired me to start a business or whatever. I'm like, you know, cool, you know, man, do it. What's stopping you? You're the only one stopping yourself, you know, uh, man, push that fear to the side. What happens if it, if it don't work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or over. It's just like the judge saying, go do 10 years, right? What, what happens? You're going to walk out 10 years later. That's what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, but just seeing that I've had probably eight people, you know, eight, nine people that I've, I've literally watched their mind just, explode. they're like, holy shit. Yeah. This is real. This is a real thing. I never even thought, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. man, it gets better, man. <laughs> it yeah, gets yeah. better. <laughs> Stay on track, man. Again, you think this is something? Wait until you get here, you know. Yeah, dude. And it's like it's it's like setting the. Ex I'm such an advocate of setting the example, not just like saying do these things, do this. It's like being that version, being the example, so that when people see it, they're like, okay, wow, this is possible. This literally gives me hope. I know that this can be achieved because this person achieved it. They're not just telling me to do these things; they're actually showing me that they've done them. And I'll tell you, vulnerability is like one of those things too. When you Set the example of vulnerability. Damn, it opens, not always, you know, because not everyone's ready to be there, but in setting that example, that opens things up drastically, right? It's not being like, yo, Jeremiah, be vulnerable, man. It's like by me, myself being vulnerable, you are, you are vulnerable. So this isn't like the example, but just to use an example, it's like by me being super vulnerable or by you being super vulnerable, that will open me up. To being more vulnerable because I feel safe. I see who you are and your truth. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, if Jeremiah can just be his everything, his exact self in this moment. Then I'm like, well, maybe I can too. You know, it just creates that hope and it creates the awareness that 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 exists. And um, the same thing in the, like in the example of love too. If you if you are being loved every single day, that is so much better than you telling someone, hey, go go love somebody, go be loving, go be kind. It's like be the example, be love, be kindness. Be genuine and let people see that. And then that will create that sort of a change in them more and more. It's like, you're successful in what you do, Jeremiah. It's like, you're not telling people, hey, go start a business. It's like, wow, look at Jeremiah, crushing it, doing his thing. And then right. that will inspire people. You know what I mean? Because you could, when you say things, people don't always want to listen unless you've actually done it. <laughs> that there's, there's a truth in that, right? That's, there is a truth in that. People say, I'm one of them people, right? I'll sit there and say, I'm a fond person to say, careful who you go ask for advice. You know, you're not going to go ask a stockbroker how to live on the streets. And you're not going to go ask a bum how to play the stocks. You know, there is that rare exception where the stockbroker is on the streets now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there is that rare exception, you know, because I always believe there's an exception for every rule too. Yeah. But, you know, be, be careful for who you ask, ask for advice from. And uh, 
Oh, I lost my train of thought. It's all good, you. I did. I want to ask you too because I know we talked a little bit about manifestation before too, and uh, I know we're both in that same the golf ball. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was just thinking of. Can you just yeah? So when when me and Jeremiah first met, I mean, manifestation came up, law of attraction, you know, literally creating your own reality, and um, it's cool, man. You, I mean, you've done it. You know, you you really really have, and uh, I, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for those who don't believe, like that's the, that's probably harder to grasp than vulnerability. Truth uh, be told, yeah. that's harder to grasp manifestation than vulnerability. Cause people say, ain't no way. There's no way that, you know what I'm saying? It's that's vulnerability. We, okay. That's something you can't even see anyways. Right. Okay, cool. Right. How am I going to hold a million dollars? Do I, I brought this out. I, I don't know if I've told you, right. I said, Hey man, you know, I, I don't remember if I told it to you or somebody else, but I was like, yeah, I wrote a million dollars on this mirror back in 14 and this, that, and the other, right. Probably still floating around here while I was cleaning my house. Right. Manifestation. I found the mirror it's jammed in my closet way in the back. I'm gonna grab this thing real quick and show it to you, man. Because yeah. like people don't believe this is what I wrote in 14 when I thought like a million dollars was it, you know, I crushed it in 14 and, and I made that million and I just kept going on, you know, but I'm going to show it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Grab it. Nice. I don't know if you can see all this dusty, this dusty mirror. Right? It's amazing that it's dusty. Honestly, it's that like, because it hasn't moved. I took yeah. it out and that's my, you know, you guys see all this stuff, you know, that's my, that's my systems board and everything. But that million dollars is really, you know, I yeah. Thing, but that's the truth. Like, you know, Rhonda Barnes is secret manifestation. Yes. Abraham Hicks, you know, uh, manifestation. They tell you that you could do these things. And a lot of people, I think they get a misconstrued, right? Like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to write a million dollars. I'm going to wait for the phone to ring. Well, that's the only verb there. You're waiting. There's no action, you know? Yep. So I, I think that's harder to grasp, you know, the manifestation and the vulnerability only because, when, when you've got that low self-esteem or, or you've never been or had something happen before, you know, you, you can't say, well, it, it works. Well, maybe I believe it. Maybe I don't. But it's, it's as real as it's as real as uh, the changing of the seasons as night turns to day. It's, it's the truth. You can yeah. manifest good. You can manifest bad. Right. And you can say, hey, man, well, I'm I'm just destined to be a loser or I'm just destined to be whatever. Careful what you ask for, you know. Careful for, for what you think about where your where your thoughts go, and it's but it's just so hard when you're when you're lost and you, and you don't got this or that or role models or or you don't even know where to look for these things. I hope I hope some people just find it because the world will be a lot better place too. You know, yeah. all the way around. You get vulnerable, you realize that the only limit you set is the one you set on yourself. Right? That's it, man. If it is to be, it is up to me. Anybody can do anything that I've done. You know, although my therapist says you're like less than the 1%, Jeremiah, who goes to prison three times, a bitchful felony offender, start out at a young age and, and reach the level of success you have, you know, um, I'm only probably the 1% only because a lot of people just don't think that they can do it, you know? Yes. That's all. Anybody can do it, though. That's that's why then people started the business, you know, like the, their glass businesses. And I said, man, if I can do it, anybody can do it, right? What is your reason? You know, I started my business literally riding the bus with 15, and I'm not college educated. Last grade I completed was eight. I'm not some miraculous person who, who, you know, rub my fingers together and this, that, and the other. I, uh, I wrote down on a piece of paper and like a journal, I've got these things now, you know, I'm working on the 12 week work year and this is my goals, you know, every day, every day I look at these things, every day I check them off if I do something. Um, and you'd be surprised mm. at like, what comes about. You know, you're like, shit, man, you know, right, right goals. I tell people now 500 million by the time I'm 40, you know, and they laugh at me. Oh, you mean, you mean 5 million? And I'm like, nah, man, I mean 500 million. And they see I'm serious. And they're like, oh, you know, I didn't want to offend you. I'm like, oh, don't worry. You didn't offend me, you know, but don't put a limit on yourself because you'll be surprised at what you hit when you write, when you, when you write that down and you start manifesting it and seeing it every day and taking action, do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, there's verbs in everything, you know, action, action words. You can't wait. Incredible, man. Oh my gosh. It's like, don't put a limit on yourself. Literally, we create our own limits. And I, I feel like you mentioned this there. I was over there too. You're like, dude, if I knew how 
easily I could have manifested that million, I would have wrote 10 million or 20 million or, or even more at that time. Yeah. Um, right. I would, <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah. Because I, I would, you know, I was that person. People who know me now, some people know me now, and I'm not rich at all. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm doing all right, you know, but. People who know me now think, oh, he was born with a silver spoon or this, that, and the other, you know, and I, I grew up in, you know, Sulphur Springs in, in Tampa. It's, it's, I mean, you probably still pick up a house right now in the economy for 60,000, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not a great area. And uh, just, I, I, I don't know. I, w- I wish I could just get everybody. I wish I could just crack everybody's mind. I wish just everybody would, because all you got to do is break it one time. Yep. Once you break one goal that you thought was impossible, man, guess what you keep doing? You keep breaking them. Keep, keep smashing them out, man. You know, because you built a momentum. You created a momentum. You're like, oh, what? what? This works. You know, this works. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Let me try this. Let me try that. You know? Yeah, because you believe. That's a little right. You you get one, you build a little confidence, and you believe, and you and it's know about that confidence. Yeah, that's right too. The confidence, you know, because the confidence is just like knowing in yourself, knowing that you can do these things, and in that knowing, because it's your truth and you know it, it becomes your reality. Then you manifest it, and I think it's really interesting when you were saying how your therapist says like you're you're like the one percent, and you touched on this too. It's like. You may be the 1% because we use that term that you are the 1%. So people in that sort of a situation will think, oh, I can't do this. There's only, there's only 1%. How can I do this? And he's already the 1%. I had a guy last night tell me for sales and marketing, which you would, you would qualify for this too, right? I just met this guy Friday, you know, because that's all my thing. Network with new people. Meet people in a higher status than me. That's all my thing, right? Yes. Love my friends, Rick. Love them all. Man, They everything I've got, they've got, you know, but I'm not getting fed like I need to. You know what I'm saying? And I even told him this. I was like, man, you know, I'm trying to get to this next level, man. You want to come with me, you know? And he's, yeah. he's content where he's at and everything. You know, he's a little older and he's like, man, I just want to sit back and watch the show. All right, you know, but that's how I am. I'm a rescuer too. That's what I found out in therapy, right? I'll try and drag somebody up with me. Like, come on, you can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. It's, yeah. it's mentally and emotionally exhausting, you know? So uh, networking and everything. I met a guy yesterday who said, you're one out of 300. So you're less than the 1% when it comes to sales for that door-to-door sales, you know, that, that you know, you seen it, man. You came here and I'm, I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, hey, man, I feel you know, I was checking your pitch out, seeing what you were about. You know, I love the, I love the door-to-door guys. I always open my door for them. And, uh, but, th- but that's what that guy said. You're less than this percent. And I don't see it as like, I'm like, man, what can we do to get the other 299 people up here too? Like everybody's got the ability to do it. Man, it's not that esoteric. It's not that far-fetched. You know, it's in every single, I've not read a book yet. I've read over 10,000. I've not read a book yet that's serious about, you know, uh, becoming a better person, making a shitload of money, starting a business. I've not met one book yet that, that, says that you can't do it. You know, they say, man, manifest that, put the work in, you know, be open to it, write your goals down, everybody, man. You just take a, take a step back and look, you know, nobody mm-hmm. got rich because they just sat back or, or even have great friends because they sat back and just participated in life, you know? Totally. Took action. Everybody, everybody you ever hear about took control of their life. Yeah. And I love that, you know, I, I do, I love it. Take control of your life, take control of your actions be accountable like you did. You know, you took control of your actions, your emotions too. It's a fact you feel, but your feelings ain't fact. And people mm-hmm. weren't really laughing at me when I walked into that store. They were laughing because somebody told a joke. Nothing about me, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. I felt like they were laughing at me. So I said something to them. Hey man, you guys laughing at me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely not. No, we were just telling this joke. It's actually stupid. You don't even want to hear it because it's so dumb, you know? <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Well, I want to hear it, you know? Yeah. You also meet friends being vulnerable, man. Cool people. Yeah, I would have never met you. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. But honestly, just like you, Jeremiah, you being your true self, you being vulnerable and open is like what created this conversation. So like, thank you. You know what I mean? And everyone out there, check out The Secret, Rhonda Barnes, check out Abraham Hicks for real, Abraham Hicks. And Jeremiah, you mentioned it really quickly before where you're like, yo, I'm going to go get the... uh, you want me to get the golf ball? Can you just share the golf ball story real oh, quick? You manif- yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I was in rehab a year ago, right? I got to give these people the truth, you know? I was in rehab sleeping on a, on a floor a year ago, you know? Um, and I, I got, you know, my little furloughs after 14 days. 
I'm, I'm able to go out. So I was hanging out with Rick, you know, getting back to the basics, you know, getting my head back on straight and stuff. And uh, <laughs> we golf. That's what we're doing. We're golfing. And I'm not good at golf, you know, because there's no hustle in it. I'm that guy. You, you could put me on a treadmill, right? And you could be a marathon runner. I'll probably die trying to beat you. You know, that's how I am. Cause you, you know, I'm, that's just how I am. And uh, my favorite thing to do is find golf balls. Cause I was always in the weeds. So in Mangrove Bay or not Mangrove Bay, it's mainlands in St. Pete, you know, it's, it's on the back of the, uh, the 16th, 17th. It's on the back of the 16th hole on the front of the uh, 11th. And there's these elephant ears over there. And man, cause you got two holes right there, man. There's a lot of golf balls in there. My favorite thing to do is look for golf balls. So for probably about two or three months, you know, I'm just, every time I'm at any golf course or whatever, I'm thinking, man, it'd be cool to find a chrome or a gold golf ball, right? You know, I want something shiny, a nice shiny object, you know? And uh, I'm, I'm looking every time I'm in the weeds, I'm looking every golf course I'm at. It's just, you know, popping through my head. And uh, I, uh, my buddy Rick, who we were golfing with, he said, man, I got to take this call. I'm going to the shack. You know, we just finished round, you know, the ninth hole. So I was like, I'm going to look for golf balls, man, real quick, you know? And he calls me up and says, hey, man, come on back, man. I'm done with my phone call. Let's, let's, I got you a hot dog or whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. So I had found a silver golf ball, though. You know, I'm kicking and I, yeah, I find a golf ball, silver one. I'm like, oh, cool. I finally found a chrome one. You know, this is awesome. And I get there. I'm like, yo, look at this golf ball I found. And the people at the desk are like, hey, wow, I've never seen one of those before. Let me see it. You know, it's 2021, almost 22. You can buy whatever you want. You know, uh, you can buy a chrome golf ball. I just want to find one. Hmm. And, and I was like, yeah, look at this thing. You know, I was so happy for it. I didn't even realize it until three, four, five days later, you know, maybe it was weeks. I'm like, shit, man, I've been thinking about, I probably listened to Abraham Hicks. And, and, and I was like, damn, I, the last thing I really manifested was that golf ball. And it just hit me. I was like, man, another, another prime example, you know, the million dollars, the golf ball. I manifested myself in prison, if you could believe that. You know, I really did. Young age. Man, I'll probably be locked up. And I started calling out numbers, man. And I was in prison all those years. And it's crazy to say that, but that's that's exactly what happened. And uh Yo, it's important. Yeah, it's important to say that. And like, thank you for admitting that, right? And just saying that right now, because we do, we we are master creators, creators of our reality. And we are constantly manifesting whether we think it or not. So that's why you mentioned this before too. It's like, be aware of your thoughts and what you're thinking because it's better to be aware of them and have an idea of what you're manifesting than to have no idea, not be mindful, and then have this shit just start showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you did. Like, I mean, you did. You manifested your time in jail, right? Because you literally spoke that into existence. It's what you kind of thought and knew what happened. And that's what was created. So it just, it works both ways. And it's really important to point that out. Yeah. It you does. Know? Yes. I, I can remember perfectly too. I mean, I can tell you about that. I was, I was 15 years old and, and I, you know, was, I broke into cars, a lot of cars and I had a gun, a clip to a gun. And uh, my mom called the cops. They came there and it was my sister's birthday. She was turning on 17 and uh, she was like, you know, I was like telling the officer, he's a neighborhood officer, you know, I was like, come on, officer, you know, AJ, don't, don't lock me up in the house, you know, walk me outside. I ain't got to run or whatever. You know, I didn't want to get arrested in front of my sister. And uh, he, he arrested me and walked me out and everything. And I was like, man, whatever, I'll probably be locked up. You know, and I started counting them, you know, 17, 18, 20, 21, 22, and just laid them all out, man. And I was gone all of them years, every one of them. And it's, and it's crazy to think about how just that I wouldn't change it for the world though, you know, because I, I got a great education in there as funny as that sounds about <laughs> myself trades, you know, and I, I hung out with the right people. I got my self-esteem in there. You know, I, I didn't, I went and saw Tim Tebow at a Indian rocks Christian church. And, you know, he says, man, you got, if you want something different, you got to do something different than everybody else does. Right. You want a different result. You got to do something nobody else is doing. Hmm. And uh, he, he used this example, which I thought was funny, you know, uh, but, you know, I know he really did it. And he says, man, I woke up at three every morning to uh, to work out. Could I have worked out after class at four, four and a half, three, five, whatever, you know, when everybody else was? Of course I could have. But I knew nobody was working out at three in the morning, you know. Yeah. And we all know about Tim though. you know, football legend in college and everything, man. And uh you know, but I know that's a truth because you got to do something that nobody else was doing and why I, I was in prison. You know, I, 
literally people will walk by and say, why, why are you reading that book, man? <laughs> yeah. Why are you reading the internal powers of chi? Why are you reading Anne Rand's <laughs> Atlas Shrugged? You know, and I'm like, man, I'm trying to refine my education. Why are you reading one up on wall street by Peter Lynch? You know? And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to refine my education, get smart and this, that, and the other. Why are you taking that computer trade? You know? Yeah. And I was doing what nobody else wanted to do in there. And that's probably why. That's the only thing that separates the 1% from, you know, if I'm the 1%, I don't even think I am. That's just what people tell me, you know? And uh, I just do what most people won't. The other 99 won't, right? I tell my son, the one who's got the low self-esteem, I said, listen, man, if you want to do good and, and work or whatever, you want to get a job, dude, just do what nobody else is doing. You'll get noticed. Instead of stepping over the trash, if you're working in Publix, pick it up every time you go to walk over. Just drop down and pick it up, man. Throw it in the trash can. You'll get noticed. You'll get mm. seen. You'll get a promotion. You'll advance because there's 99 other people who got that job who won't do it. You know, there's 99 other people who won't work on their emotions and wonder why they're stuck where they're at. There's 99 people out of 100 who will stay in a bad relationship, you know? Yeah, for real. Yeah, man. Jeremiah, I appreciate you so much, man. I'm so glad we got to just hang out and, and chat again. Um, if you have anything, any uh, your company, anything on social media, if you want to share with people, um, so if they're able to just reach out and touch base with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm Bay Area Auto Glass, best auto glass shop in St. Petersburg, Florida. And, uh, you know, if you need your windshield repaired, replaced, fixed or whatever, you know, I'm the guy to get that done. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, yo, if, I'm not anybody, here for that though, you know, but but that's yeah. what I do, you know. I appreciate you, man. Anybody listening to this right now, if you want to get uh, in touch with Jeremiah for real, man, you're so inspirational. Reach out to me, uh, DM, um, spread love movement or Justin Court, uh, my personal handle. I will definitely uh, connect you guys, my man. I have so much love for you, dude. I'm so grateful that I knocked your door that day because Jeremiah, I can remember it too, man. I was walking. And for whatever reason, I was going to walk one direction. And I was like, huh, I just had a good feeling to the right, literally. And then I went that way, knocked that door, and then here we are, man. So You manifested this. <laughs> That's what you said. You said, I just really came out today, and I just wanted to meet cool people. That's yes. And that's Dude. the best I remember. And that's the best. I, I'll recommend something to some people, man. You want to get real with your emotions and, and conquer some fears, go knock on some doors. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go knock on some doors because man, that, that takes some grit and you've really got to be comfortable with yourself to do it. And I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today if I hadn't knocked on doors. Another true thing. What is that? That's one thing that 99, you give nine, a hundred people the option to go work and build some character and do this. And I taught these training courses for people, you know, and, and I'm sure you know about them too, is the knocking doors. You know, you got to pump them up and do this. I've got to recreate a mind and say, listen, how much do you make? Yeah, I make 14 bucks an hour or whatever. I'm like, how would you like to make 1400 an hour? You know what I'm saying? Oh, there's no way I can do that. You know, well, with attitude like that. But anyways, I, I encourage people to, to do that because like I said, that's one thing or one, one, you know, a hundred people, 99 won't do it. Yeah. You know, they yeah. won't. And you know what I'm talking about? Cause you yeah. do it. How many yeah. people told you you're silly for taking that job? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I so, mean, so many and so many people, they, they don't make it. You know, they get hired, they, they work a week or two and they're like, mm, not for me. And dude, thank you for reminding me that because that day I just, as you said that, I'm like, yep, that did happen that day in the morning before I went out. You can go out every day and being like, oh my God, are people going to be mad at me? Are people going to be rude to me? Or... You can go out and be like, I cannot wait to meet some incredible people today. I cannot wait to create a new bond or a new friendship. I can't wait to meet somebody awesome who can help me grow. And that day I went out hard with that mentality and then, <laughs> and then look what happened, man. Uh, that was awesome. And here we are. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yes. Awesome. Dude, appreciate you so much. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Uh, and kicking with us for a little while. Can't wait to see everybody next time. Jeremiah, man, I love you, buddy. Thanks, dude. Thanks, man.